Come and dream with me. content and help you answer the question what should be the penalty for striking Florence Pugh in the face with an object death oh my god I can't believe I'm literally trying to do a quote retweet of that right now as you're doing this podcast <laughs> I can't lie like I'm literally like looking at gifs of Florence Pugh trying to find like a good fucking like I'm trying to find one of her like she's trying to find one of her with a fucking knife you know like <laughs> <laughs> I can't lie, my, my search, I don't know if you can see, my search is literally Florence Pew Knife. <laughs> this from your main account? or <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm not having this fucking slander. These people. These animals throwing stuff it's at fucking Florence animals. Pugh. Disgusting. All right, I'm your host, Ash Hubley. Join me today. The Vindictive Dylan White. Yes. Don't touch Florence. <laughs> She's one All of right. the only pure things we have in the world. Yeah. She needs to protect it at all costs. Her, yes. Man Fulani, and a third thing. <laughs> sure. On today's episode, we'll be talking about what's in our watch history, giving some thumbs to trailers, and discussing this week's top three. Uh, kicking things off, I've been to the cinema a few times this week. Uh, I went to see an early screening of Wish, the latest film from Disney, well, Walt Disney Animation. It's kind of a celebration of the 100 years of Disney, um, with the idea being, uh, so there's this city called Rosas, I think it's Rosas, hang on, let me... It's what? Rosas is the name of the city. (laughs) (laughs) Now that I'm saying it out loud, yeah, pretty close to something. You can can understand, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's set. It's apparently set in the Mediterranean Sea, uh, founded by King Magnifico, voiced by Chris Pine, uh, who is a great sorcerer. And the big thing is that what he does uh, for the citizens of Rosas is he takes their deepest wish when they turn like eighteen or something, and he keeps it in his tower. Uh, and then at certain wish granting ceremonies, he grants people their wishes. Uh, mm. So our heroine Asher right. is hoping all good dictators. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, Asha want, at the start of the film beca- wants to become his apprentice. Uh, but, you know, in the process of her, him revealing, like, the, during the interview process, he's like, hey, let me show you all the wishes. That'll be really cool. And he kind of reveals that, you know, he's got all these wishes, but not all of them will be granted, uh, including her grandfather's, because they could potentially uh I'm sorry. Bad she had wishful, she had wishful thinking i had i could not keep that in any longer i was gonna die i was really sitting i've been sitting there for the last 30 seconds trying to keep it in. i just need to get that out sorry continue terrible it was, it was struggling it was good. uh yeah so the king kind of reveals to her that you know all these wishes won't be granted because they could potentially be harmful for to the kingdom uh, including her grandfather's her grandfather once wished for in his youth to be able to perform a song that can inspire the next generation. He's like, what's it going to inspire? How's it going to inspire people? Is it going to inspire them, them to rise up against me and the kingdom? Um, so, yeah. So she's upset about, you know, the true motivations of the king. 
and she goes and wishes upon a star to be able to recover the wishes and you know give the people their wishes back um and then a star comes to rosas to come and help her in her quest um yeah it's a del- it's it's a nice film i don't think it- it's definitely not top tier disney um it definitely like the f- plot is very light um it's definitely held up uh there's a bunch of musical numbers i'm not going to say if it's got better good fantastic movie mu- uh disney music because I've been wrong like the last three times that I discuss a Disney movie and say, oh, the songs in this aren't very good or they won't be very memorable. And they turn out to be like the biggest songs ever uh, of the year, you know, like I did with Encanto. I can't judge, you know, but in my opinion, My humble, terrible my humble, opinion. My humble and often wrong opinion. Yeah, I don't think this is going to be a massive hit. Which means you'll be hearing Wish the soundtrack. <laughs> you know. I think there's some cool songs. Like there are definitely some cool songs. The Chris Pine has like a big evil king thing uh, song uh, that's kind of catchy. Uh, there's a big team up song. Uh, and then there's obviously the one that's in the trailer about the Ariana DeBois sings. She's a great, obviously she's fantastic. She's very fun and witty and like, um, although that's my favorite West Side story. Yeah. Well, clearly cause she won the Academy Award for West Side Story. Um, yeah. Really fantastic. This really cool sequence where the wish like gives a bunch of animals singing voices. So, you know, they're singing a big musical number, all these animals, uh, you know, including her goat Valentino, uh, who has an incredibly deep voice, very enjoyable. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, it is kind of a homage to the hundred years. Like, obviously, the star is the star that all the characters in other films wish upon or like look up to at night, that kind of stuff. So it's kind of tied in there. A lot of the different characters, some of the character designs are co- inspired by uh, past Disney characters. Like, there's a like there's a bunch of young children that who all help out in the castle, I guess. Uh, one of them is clearly got like a snow white inspired kind of look. Uh, and another one is very sneezy. If that was not on the nose, <laughs> but yeah, really, uh, he just has a lot of allergies. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and then there's like other specific wishes like that, like very, very, like very on the nose, like tie-ins, like somebody's like one of the wishes, like, Oh, I wish I could fly. Uh, where are you going to fly to Neverland? Even to the extent where there's the dude, like completely dressed up as Peter Pan in the film. Um, wow. but yeah, I, I think it's a sweet film. It is kind of dark at times out of all the screening. Like I've gone to quite a few, like, uh, family screenings of these kind of movies. This is the one that I've had the most children screaming in. So, you know, I would not recommend taking, like, toddlers. uh, Because, yeah, there's some pretty, like, dark... I don't recommend taking toddlers to most movies. Like, most movies. But, yeah. uh, Like, I think, like, six and up, maybe, you know, a solid age group um, for this film. Like, there's a lot of dark colours and, like, imagery and that kind of stuff. And, obviously... 
don't think it's too surprising the king kind of gets mad it's it's it was interesting watching this movie with like a lot of some of the discourse around it before the movie came out. It's like, there's this King. He grants people's wishes. He must be, he, he can't be a villain. He can't be a bad guy. He's doing all these really generous things of granting these people their desires. It's like, man, this is a Disney movie. He's going to be a bad guy. There's not going to be any nuance to it. And there definitely isn't. He, um, Cause it, it's also kind of explained that when they give up, these wishes they forget what the wishes were so what they're really doing is giving him like a part of their soul <laughs> or the part of their like motivation to live and that kind of stuff so it's kind of messed up in the, that kind of a way so i would recommend checking it out i think it's a it's definitely not a fantastic disney movie but you know it's a fun one um for disney fans you might like be like oh i get that reference oh i get that reference oh there's there's a deer it, the the bear calls it bambi uh that kind of stuff um and yeah, I believe it's coming out in wide release on Boxing Day. I believe this coming weekend of day of release, uh, there's going to be some charity screenings um, in most cinemas. So I recommend... Is the charity for Wish? For the Make-A-Wish Foundation, I think. Yep, yeah, that's the one, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what the foundation charity is for. So don't quote me on it, because I haven't looked it up. But yes, uh, yeah, go check it out. I think it's... Uh, solid animated movie yeah. with some fun songs and fun animate the animation i don't think is the best like it's interesting because like disney's kind of in this like they kind of all committed to going full 3d animation but they're kind of not doing the most interesting 3d animation at the moment i mean it looks good it's wild that uh, asha's got like that. braids in her hair which was kind of distracting to me i think like like the hair like animation and that kind of stuff um but yeah they're not they're not very the the animation is very safe <laughs> they're not very experimental like uh, a bunch of other projects that you know have been a lot more interesting this year so i think it's uh, crazy this and the boy and the heron come up the same month yeah which is also interesting because you know obviously that i don't think is going to be very experimental animation wise either uh because it's much of trailer, so. yeah but he's not going to do anything crazy with it it's going to look like a studio ghibli film it's not a bad thing don't no, i'm not saying it is but you know the fact that it's in 2d animation makes it so different to everything else coming out so mm. um but yeah check out wish i think uh also went and saw a movie that finally got released in australia bottoms uh Described as the female fight club, it's not that. Bottoms is a surrealist high school movie in which two lesbian students uh, who are low on the social totem pole uh, accidentally get find themselves uh, leading a self-defense class or a, what they call a fight club after they after a series of events uh, with the aim of them being able to get close to their crushes uh, through the fight, through the self-defense class, but it becomes so much more. Um, yeah. So obviously starring Rachel Sinat, Edda Berry um, as the two, you know, 
<laughs> lesbian students. Um, yeah, really funny. Uh, again, like it is like a surrealist, absurdist kind of story. Like uh, if you're like expecting it to be Fight Club, I don't think you're going to like is this Is anyone movie expecting this to be Fight Club? I don't know. Or... The way that people have just described it as female Fight Club, I think, yeah. you know. It's not that, actually that's the way. that's what it is. Yeah. No, it's definitely a high school movie. Yeah. Just like kind of turned up to 11 because, you know, they do some crazy weird stuff. Um, yeah, really funny. Um, it definitely, you know, it it's not... It definitely subverts some of the uh, high school tropes, I guess, but also plays into other ones. Um, of Like, you know, they're definitely not going to get up off scot-free and that kind of stuff. Uh, and then, you know, there's just... The third act is just crazy. It's just, yeah. Definitely a super fun comedy. Obviously, like, it's been hyped up, like, a lot, like, at the start of the year. Like, uh, obviously, it's been in America... Uh, called one of the best comedies of the year. I think it might be my favorite comedy of the year. Uh, and wow. after, like, you know, I think, I, yeah, I enjoyed it more more than Joyride. Well, there's Barbie as well, so I guess that's I have to think about that on that a little bit more. Um, definitely the mo- best R-rated comedy. <laughs> Say that. You're just adding more cat. You're adding more adding asterisks to the asterisks. Yeah, yeah. Um, Eddie Berry, fantastic as she is in pretty much everything. Rachel Sinat plays a Rachel Sinat kind of character. It's very, not, I'd never watched Shiva Baby, but uh, similar-esque to her role in Bottoms, 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 no, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. You know? uh, maybe not as spoilt, um, but, you know, she gives off the same energy. Um, Ruby Cruz from Hit Willow, she's in this. She's really good as well. Um, who else? Oh, my favorite character is uh, Marshawn Lynch. The, uh, the who uh, gets tricked into being the uh, the I don't adult in the room, the counselor. Um, he's fantastic. Obviously, uh, a former NFL player, uh, but you know, he I think he kind of weirdly got his acting chops in the Will Arnett murder t- improv TV show that I saw him in, which is really fantastic. In, um, but yeah, he's really funny in this. Um, so yeah, Bottoms, check it out. I don't know how long it's going to be in cinemas. I don't know how many cinemas it's actually going to be in. Probably not many. Um, but yeah, it's it's really fun. Uh, a really great time. So check out Bottoms. Uh, then I also watched Uproar. So this is the New Zealand film starring Julian Dennison that follows a young Maori uh, student called Josh who's growing up in a... Uh, his father passed away. He's growing up with a white mother uh, for, who's British uh, during 1981. Uh, so at the time, uh, apartheid was going on in in South Africa. The Springboks, which is the South African rugby team, is coming to New Zealand for a massive tour. Um, and at the time, there's a bunch of like pure protests against the Springboks because apartheid is taking place. They're also bringing up issues of racism within New Zealand. Um, Josh is going to a predominantly white school that has, is kind of historic for uh, its rugby team. Uh, So, you know, they're very anti-protest, like very, one of the very on the nose, like, well, not on the nose, but like, 
hypocritical statements. Like the uh, principal is constantly like quoting like a Maori phrase, like about unity uh, and how we all need to be one people and that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's like a white dude using like, uh, like culturally appropriating a, a term to like spread his message or whatever. Uh, so yeah, he's, this Josh is like a kid who wants to like be a, he's very introverted, wants to play by himself. Uh, Reese Darby plays like a English teacher who kind of introduced him to drama. Uh, and it's kind of, he sees that Josh is, would be a great actor. He does like this really fantastic monologue. Um, so he kind of is, uh, pushing for him to like audition for <laughs> NIDA uh, here in Australia, which is kind of funny. Um, they've got like a big audition or whatever. So he, he's like kind of do this, but his mum wants him to like stay in the stick. It's straight and narrow, wants him to become what like a first in the rugby team because, you know, if you become a big, uh, a first team player in the rugby team, then you get like all these connections and that kind of stuff and they can kind of help you. He also lives, his brother lives at home. He's a former uh, rugby captain at the school, uh, uh, former junior wall, uh, all black, but he had like an accident. So now he's like struggling to like, he's done his knee or something like, so he's struggling to walk. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a heartwarming like film, uh, you know, kind of exploring this time and period, uh, obviously he's, you know, dealing with racism and that kind of stuff and like protests and, uh, you know, obviously people, protesters like interfering with sport and that kind of stuff and like people wanting to just like ignore it and the, that kind of stuff so really interesting film uh julian dennison really fantastic uh restart is really good mini driver plays a mother she's really good like it's interesting because like obviously you're on julian like on josh's side of like where she kind of comes off as an antagonist because she's like, wants to keep the family together at the expense of his happiness, I guess. Um, but like, she's working like two jobs and like struggling to make ends meet and keep the family together. So you can kind of understand it, but like, yeah, she comes kind of comes across antagonist, antagonistic, which I don't know if that was the intention, but um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. You should all check out uproar. I believe it's most cinemas everywhere at the moment so check that out all right dylan you've been doing your you've gone heavy on your catching up of stuff for the end of the year gotta you know so tell me about how to blow up a pipeline um the movie's about how to blow up a, a no like pipe- how to blow up a pipe. tell me how to blow up a pipeline so you get some bombs um and you blow the pipe up i don't uh so this this is an interesting movie because like obviously, I'd 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 read a little bit about it because I remember when the movie was showing and stuff. There was a lot of um, reading about people saying the movie's going to inspire people to actually do this. And I mean, uh, then I ended up reading about the the book went through some similar issues um, issues because the book Criticism. is actually nonfiction. <laughs> 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 the book is literally here's how to blow up a pipeline and. It doesn't tell you to go do it, but also the book is under the same idea that the movie is, which is that sometimes structural uh, terrorism is needed to make a change, which I guess is the thesis of the the thing, you know, like like striking or talking can only do so much. Like sometimes you just need to fucking tear a system down, I guess is the, 
the idea behind both. Um, so the book is the basis for it, but then the movie, yeah, fiction, it just it adds characters and stuff for it. So um, the movie starts with a bunch of these, I think it's probably like eight people, I can't remember. It's like a whole group of people that head out, like they get a text message that's more or less like, hey, it's time. Um, and they head out to where this place is sort of going to set out and like make their bombs and plan their, their their action and scope out where they're going to, to do it but the, the basically the plan is they're gonna put uh i think it's bombs at two or three different locations on this oil pipeline and then trigger them so they all sort of go off at the same time and um it's environmental activism is the long haul and as that plays out throughout the film it cuts away to give you backstory to each of the characters so it'll pop up and be like logan you know like title card logan like his how he's how this person got into it or, you know title card flash sean here's how this person got into it so on and so forth um because they're a wild bunch i mean the, the main character is um zochi i think i can't remember ex- it's exactly how so i think it's like zochi um they're really into it because their mother died of cancer and the implication is that the cancer was caused by working at these uh factories you know all the pipes and like the oil like all the just the the cause of it and all that sort of stuff um and then you get some other people who like um i guess there's there's a couple of logan who's played by lucas gage which i guess is the biggest name actor in this film probably lucas gage is like in you know white lotus and a bunch of other shit um, more popular he had that really funny uh, really popular video that went viral at one stage he's the one who's being interviewed yep. by a director we still don't know and <laughs> that's that guy so that's like that is Bartman being shit yes yeah that that's him here um uh, i'd say sash lane probably the other big actor in this yeah yeah like yes i i would say probably the over one but i feel like lucas gage is probably more known at this stage surely but i don't know um I mean, she was in Loki, so... Yeah, but... Um, <laughs> fucking Loki, who cares? Uh, so, yeah, like, Lucas Gage, uh, Lucas Gage plays Logan and has got um, his partner. I can't remember the character's name. It doesn't really matter. Uh, I think it's Rowan? I don't know. Anyway, anyway, they're, they're like, the, the two sort of, like, more, like, hippie... He's, like, a rich kid who's just, like, striking out sort of thing. But they're not, they're not written in a way where it's, like, he's just doing it because he has shitty dads. It's, like, they're, the, like, the... They're the, like, we get drunk every night, but also we want to save the environment, but also we're not, like, scientists side of it. And then you've got another character called Michael, who's very much the, um, you know, he's, when in his backstory, they show him, like, picking fights, literally with white dudes coming and being like, hey, nice job. You're, like, stealing jobs from my people. And, you know, like, very much, like, just, like, he sticks picking fights and just constantly has all this aggression. He wants to fight with people um you've got this very big dude burly dude who sort of doesn't look like he fits apart um called Dwayne. uh but his story is that he um was basically forced off his land and all this sort of stuff um fought to try not have an oil pipeline built through his property and then lost it and now he's like losing a bunch of money because of all these like um bills and stuff he has to pay and now he's like living in a lot smaller um place with his partner who and they just had their first baby because they got forced off their land because there's some law in america where they can basically just take your land if it's apparently for the betterment of structural needs or some bullshit so mm-hmm. um everyone's sort of got a reason is the low and hold and yeah so it flashes back it gives reason to all of them i think all the performances are really really good um i think 
inter- it is definitely an interesting concept to discuss and 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 i mean it's not shocking to say that the ideas in this film are topics that i would find definitely more interesting as a left-leaning person rather than if you were a very right-leaning person um you're probably going to hate everything about this movie (laughs) you know like it's just depends where you fall already politically is sort of how you're going to feel about this movie i guess uh, but yeah, I, I did enjoy it. I definitely feel like structurally it has some issues like pacing backwards and forwards and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I very much would suggest watching it because it is, especially when they get to the actual bomb sequence, it is quite tense to see them pull it off and how they do it. And of course, I'm not a major spoiler, but there's a moment where it's like a strap breaks as they're trying to do something. And, you know, like they're, they're playing around. They do a very good job of building the tension of, a, these are people who have learned how to build this shit off YouTube videos and at any second they could just blow themselves up and B, um, you know, they're trying to, they're like racing against the clock to do it without the cops, you know, and all this, all this sort of stuff. So yeah, I, 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 I enjoyed it. All right. Uh, then you also watched I There God Is Me, Margaret, a film that we've brought up several times this year as to why the fuck we haven't, isn't here and now it's here. We've watched it. Came out of nowhere, as we discussed last week. Just randomly was like, hey, it's rentable now. After, yep. like, nine months. But I very much enjoyed this movie. And again, we talked about the trailer. Know nothing about the book. I don't, this fucking iconic book that's just not apparently a thing. Yeah, and iconic I get, American I, book. Yes. Iconic American book. But I very much enjoyed it. It's just a... It's a coming... like It's a adol- coming, coming into adole- uh, adolescence book. It's very funny, though. I found this... A lot of the jokes worked for me, which it's a coming of age book focused on the female side, which is maybe, I guess, why, and especially if it's like 50 years old, I can get how that would be very well beloved because I guess most of it's either male-sided or, you know, all this sort of stuff. But it's like the main characters in the book or the main characters in the movie are all females. It's it's the, you've got the daughter, um, Margaret is the main character, and then you've got the other side. So they move at the start of the movie. They move from New York City to... I don't know, wherever the fucking, the other side of the island. It sounds so far away, but it's like they moved to Staten Island or some shit. I don't know. Like They, they moved across a bridge, right? Um, outside the big city vibes, more um, suburban. Uh, they move away from Sylvia, who's played by Kathy Bates. That's her grandmother. And um, basically when, when they get there, it's all because Benny Safdie's character, the dad, has got a job where it pays more that... Um, Rachel McAdams doesn't have to work anymore. You know, it's just all this sort of stuff. But so Margaret has to deal with making new friends. And straight away, she's greeted like the first day they move into the house by this character came, uh, named Nancy Wheeler, who is straight away, you can tell she's a bit of a upper self. But, you know, like what you're like, whatever, kids be kids. We'll see how this plays out. Um, and then Barbara, Rachel McAdams is doing this whole. I've got all this free time. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know how to do life anymore. And there's a really funny scene where she attends the first, um, they set this in like the seventies as well, which I appreciate. It's like, it's still, I assume the same time period that the book was set rather than like bringing it forward to be set during modern age and, and stuff. So like she goes and attends the school, uh, like community meeting or whatever. And cause she's got all this time. It's like, who would like to help out with this? And she's like, hands up and hands up. And next second she's involved in like 10 different community projects with all these mums. And of course there's the one mum running the whole thing who apparently does nothing but tell people that they're shit, what they do and whatever else. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think it's very funny at times. 
um lots of great character work i think rachel mcadams is definitely fantastic in it i mean everyone's fantastic but i really really enjoyed her and the, the main girl as well abby Ryder forston's really good in it um and i was surprised how well the movie dealt with and i didn't know that it was going to come into it but i guess i should have because it's called are you there god but the the religion stuff isn't it's not like a religious movie it's like so weirdly a non-religious movie but i really enjoyed how it dealt with religion in this part because it's it's like what it ends up being is her parents one comes from a devout catholic family that was uh jewish jewish and um they've they've raised their daughter as neither like you you can make your choice when you're older sort of thing but now that she's getting older she decides to like sort of explore all the religions and there's even like a scene where she attends church with um one of her um friends from school who's black and it's like the full like you know like dancing and singing and southern, she's like yes. yeah that's the full southern sort of thing compared to like and then she goes to um i forget what they call it what what are uh, like uh like catholics no i was gonna say the jewish like um city uh, yeah they go to that and it's like fucking the most boring thing ever it's like four <laughs> hours long and she's like hating it and meanwhile kathy Bates does this whole thing they they when she goes and visits her grandmother it's so funny they go i'm spoiling the movie now but i guess this movie's been out for they um go she like goes we just established <laughs> <laughs> this is really funny saying i loved it. it was such like so again this movie's just full of like these wonderful performances i think but it's like they're laying in um she goes and visits her grandmother after like goes back to the city to spend like a weekend with her or whatever and they go spend some great time together or whatever else and then they're like laying in bed together i guess because she's just got this one bedroom apartment or whatever and they're like laying in bed and she's like all right night granny and they like turn out lights and then the, kathy bates rolls over and you she's been acting like she's really tired and then next second margaret's like can we go to synagogue in the morning and then kathy bates just like bursts out of nowhere and like jumps out of bed she's like i gotta pick what to wear <laughs> like, just, yeah yeah so I, I thought it was yeah i think it's a very good movie i, I really enjoyed it awesome all right uh but i'll definitely try and catch that before the end of the year uh you also watch teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem have you seen this yes i can't remember um i enjoyed it i thought I, I think it's fun. I, I definitely feel like it's the hey, it's got the it's got the look of the Spider-Man films, you know, the, the same art style and everything. Uh, but I would say that what's on the bone here narratively is just fine, you know. Yeah. Like the I, I appreciate the the way they recorded the voice work and everything with the the I I, I actually like the busy work. I definitely feel like that was a um, a choice that paid off as a positive to me i really liked it um but yeah like what what's here is just so bare bones but ultimately it's it's a fun movie it's a fun visually entertaining teenage mutant ninja turtles movie which has a really great um paul rudd performance <laughs> <laughs> that was my takeaway also do you know this was his first movie at the end in the credits says introducing paul rudd I didn't yeah i know no. crazy do <laughs> finally yeah finally no this is the one that's actually introduced him all the other ones just you know he was standing yeah. in the corner nobody he was just standing in the corner this is this is actually his first film yeah yeah um yeah i'm keen to re-watch the movie i think you know they re- do some really great stuff with some of the characters like i love their new take on april and uh the the vomit animation in this is pretty impressive <laughs> yeah some of the weird weird kind of stuff uh jackie chan splinter I love mm. that and like all the like there's a lot of interesting world building but yeah I think the the plot of the film is pretty yeah, there's some good world building but I just feel like 
the actual narrative of this film is fine. Like, it's whatever. Yeah, bro. It didn't need to be too much, but yeah. Uh, and then you also watched Elemental. Yeah, I liked Elemental. I thought that was fun. Um, the, I mean, obviously there's the the whole, you can't sort of, it's hard to not go, well, it's just Romeo and Juliet, but it's fine water, I guess, to a degree. Um, but I really enjoyed the the performances, the two leads playing, playing off one another, um, especially, um, what's his name? Wade? Yeah. Wade. Yeah, that, the, whoever the voice actor is for that, I forget the person's name, but um, that was really good. Like the back and forth is just so, um, so them. and again, this just has such a great world. Um, the animation of this I thought was really, really good and inventive. Uh, not, I, I doubt this is going to be, the only thing I'll say for this, as much fun as I had watching it, it is that thing of where I'm like, that was really fun. I enjoyed my time with it. I don't know if I'll be thinking about this at all, uh, you know, in a month from now sort of thing. Is that a problem though? I don't think it's a problem. I, th- I, I think, think today, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, but someone's tweet went around like, can we talk about how Glass Onion had no cultural impact, so it's a shit movie. I think that makes it a shit. I don't think that makes it a shit movie. I don't think me saying that I may not think about this ever again makes it a shit movie. I just think it's it's a very enjoyable animated film that. Do we over no, overplay cultural? No, I just think I I just think that movies that ha- really good movies have substance stay with you for at least some time, you know, and some stay with you forever for your whole life, you know. So I just feel like this is a this is a fun movie. I enjoyed it. It's got nothing that's sticking with me. And the thing is, I'll compare it. If I, if I go, um, what was the last one I watched before this? Um, um, the fucking um, house one. The fucking, what's that called? The house where they all got powers. And they got the, the thing. You know, where they go and they get a power when they turn 13 or whatever. They're oh, in Canto. Yeah, Canto, right? So Encanto is similar to me. Nearly. So I, I'd be like, Encanto, nearly super fun, forgettable. However, it has one absolute banger of a song that's going to save me forever. <laughs> so, by no, that I didn't standard, think anybody would love. <laughs> yeah. All I'm going to say is I'll never think about the word Bruno as a name ever again it's for anyone. Yeah, just, no one's getting their child named yeah, Bruno. Because we don't else. talk about Bruno, that's for sure. So, yeah. um, that separates. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like yeah. emotionally standing with me, but that one bit plus, it has a fucking several hilarious hilarious animated animated scenes with um what i can't i'm forgetting so much tonight but that animal in the background the <laughs> i'm just picturing chupacabra right yeah the chupacabra. yeah we're just like standing in the background just looking pissed off at all stages that's good shit okay yeah so that movie has a lot more memorable to me than this so. yeah again that's going to be personal taste kind of thing as well like certain movies will hit different for different people and that kind of stuff yeah. uh but yeah i'm a big fan of elemental I really enjoy the. I don't know if I ever talked about. It. They did like a documentary with the director, like talking about. I think the he did. I, I think I remember you talking about this. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's great. Also, because he like he in the documentary he points out like a bunch of the voices he's done for different stuff. Uh, include like he was one of the he's like the bad guy who gets beaten up by Mrs. Incredible at the start of the movie in Incredibles. Uh, and then he's obviously most recently socks. <laughs> In a buzz light year. So, yeah, Elemental, that's great. Dylan, have you finished watching Happy Valley season three? No. Talk about it next week. Dylan, you felt the need to rewatch Violent Night. Yeah, Christmas time. So many new Christmas movies that we would talk about over at yeah, but my, um, Christmas. My parents wanted to watch a Christmas movie. Oh, okay. 
and you're like, let's watch this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get in yes. the mood. Let's get in the Christmas mood. No, no hold on. Hold on. You, you say it like a joke, but knowing me and the type of shit I would suggest, if it was like, hey, we should watch a Christmas movie. Have you seen Violet Night? That came out. That's... Yeah. Do you want to watch the, the one where Santa beats up a bunch of people? And... They enjoyed it. I was going to say it. They enjoyed it. Okay, good. Like, like my mum and dad found it quite funny. So, yeah. I too stand Held up. It's, it's a perfectly good 7 out of 10 in my mind. Okay. Fun time. I, I'm keeping right. for the sequel still, I'll say. Falls off in the third act a bit, but uh, otherwise, it's fun. Okay. okay, and you finished your Hunger Games rewatch that you started. I did. Mm-hmm. You finally watched Hunger Games Mockingjays Part 1 and 2, which you'd never yep. watched before. No, I watched Part 1. Never watched, never part, watched two. part 2 before. Yeah, never watched Part 2 before. You part, you watched Part 1, you're like, oh, I had enough. Yeah, but I've read the books. I knew how it finished anyway. I just, I, I, I don't know. I okay. don't know why I never watched it. I don't know. Just never happened. So, was it worth the wait? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know why they split those movies. It's dumb. They should have just made them one. Um. I got uh, catching, catching fire. Hunger ja- Hunger Games, Ballad of the Song of Snakes, Mock and Joe Part Two, Mock and Joe Part No, Mock and Joe Part One, Mock and Joe Part Two. There you go. Mine would be the same except I put. Songbirds over the first Hunger Games. Yeah, but I just did the rewatch, so yeah, I'm I'm like really fresh to. Mm. When's the last time you watched? Yeah, it'd be like yeah, that's five thing, yeah. ten years. Yeah. yeah, which is crazy to say that there'd be five to ten years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so I watched the first two episodes of Slow Horses season three. Just more slow horses, more. Uh, but is that a bad thing, on. Ash? No, it's not. You know, some people might say if it's more of the same, it's bad. But is it just Gary Oldman yelling at people. Yeah, Gary Oldman yelling at people. The slow horses kind of messing up stuff, uh, and there's a bunch of espionage shit. You know, I think so. that's the official description. That is shit. Yeah. So definitely worth checking out. If I'm. It's definitely more of the same. I'm enjoying it. Uh, yeah. I don't know exactly what the mystery is this season. Like, one of the slow, the secretary for the slow horses kind of gets kidnapped. They're trying to figure out why she's been kidnapped. But the kidnappers don't seem like they're normal kidnappers. Uh, so, yeah. And then there's also, like, the ramifications of last season's uh, events and that kind of stuff. So, slow horses. It's fantastic. You should check it out. Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, let's move into the mandatory Netflix segment of the show. And last week I talked about the documentary American Symphony, uh, which I watched, which follows like a year in the life of, uh, the musician John Baptiste, uh, and kind of documents also his, uh, his rise, um, from being just a kid in the South, uh, learning piano he eventually goes to like Juilliard, which is obviously a massive music school in America who don't normally have people from New Orleans come and perform classical music uh, at Juilliard, but he does. Um, and then he's like, he would, uh, he made like a band in uh, New York who just, who didn't necessarily do, he's like more of a jazz influenced musician 
or classical kind of stuff. So it's not like super poppy and that kind of stuff. Um, but he like he had a a bands and like they would just perform anywhere and everywhere within around New York City. He eventually became the band leader for uh, the Colbert of late night with Stephen Colbert. So that's where he's been getting his regular paychecks. Uh, and then obviously making his own music on the side, including his most, well, the recent album of this film, uh, We Are, which uh, won a bunch of Grammys and then kind of documents his personal life where his wife is currently, during the film, uh, dealing with having leukemia. Um, so it's kind of got this weird contrast of him going through this really personal struggle while also having this really great professional success. Um, so it's kind of weirdly contrasted that. And then also during this period, he's trying to make this American symphony. So his idea is that how would you how would you build a symphony orchestra in America today if a symphony orchestra had never been built before? So it's like a combination of like all different instruments influenced by Native American instruments and drumming and that kind of stuff and a lot of black culture and like guitars and that kind of stuff. And they would eventually perform for one night only at Carnegie Hall. Um, yeah, it's a very moving documentary, like the relationship between John Patisse and his wife, uh, Sulika, um, is really beautiful and like he's a really great person, like a really like he's just a good person so it's really nice to like see somebody like that on screen uh but also really sad to see them struggling with like what they're struggling with um and yeah i i kind of my only critique is i wish they had have gone a little bit more in depth on like some of the musical stuff like uh they do like talk a little bit about why he's building the like the ideas and the music he's trying to build but the symphony and that kind of stuff but i kind of wish they'd gone a little bit deeper on that kind of stuff or, or like kind of talk a little bit about more about the album like before it before they perform and that kind of stuff so that would be my only critique but i think it's a fantastically moving documentary that you know you'll only feel better about the world after watching so check out american symphony over on netflix all right that's everything i watch history i haven't actually got any film news for this week because you know all the film news for this week is from trailers. So let's just jump in to give some thumbs to trailers. Of course, you can find all the trailers we're about to talk about in the show notes below. Kick things off with one of the big ones of the week. Godzilla X-Kong, The New Empire. Directed by Adam Wingard, starring Rebecca Hall, Brian Tyree Henry, Dan Stevens, Kaylee Hottle, Alex Ferns, and Fala Chen. This latest entry follows up from the explosive showdown of Godzilla vs. Kong with an all-new cinematic adventure, pitting the almighty Kong and the fearsome Godzilla against a colossal, undiscovered threat hidden within our world, challenging their very existence and our own. The epic new film will delve further into the histories of these titans, their, their origins, and the mysteries of Skull Island and beyond, while uncovering the mythic battle that helped forge these extraordinary beings and tied them to humanity, humankind forever. Dylan, what did you think of the trailer for Godzilla X Kong? <laughs> Looks terrible. I wish to you to give me back Adam Wingard and get him to direct a horror movie again. <laughs> you think it looks terrible? Oh, yes. <laughs> I 
know what the fuck I just. I know what this. No, I got nothing. So, double, so, thumb, double thumbs down. I don't care. Oh wow. Uh, I'll give it one up, one down. Like it's it's like obviously it's interesting that obviously we saw them last film fighting each other nearly to the death, and now they're gonna team up. But man, you see that one shot of them running next to each other. <laughs> These two giant creatures. I don't. I think it's just a ridiculous idea, and uh, I'm here I, for it. I'm really excited to watch Godzilla minus one. Is it playing anywhere near? No, but I'm still really excited to watch it. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely keen to check that out as well. And obviously, they've got, there's been a there's a lot of Godzilla stuff. If you're a Godzilla monster fan, I watched the uh, first episode of that Apple TV show, The plus. Monarch. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed the first episode. Okay, good. Um. But yeah, I think uh, it's int- I don't I don't there's not a lot in this trailer. It's just some interesting visuals. Uh Godzilla's gone woke and is like showing a bunch of pink rather than the the blue kind of aesthetic that they had in the last movie. What's up with that? Get some testosterone in your Godzilla, yeah, you fucking up with weak fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, looks, I think it looks better. Uh, hot pink. Um yeah, it's in- I don't know what the story is of this film. You know, other it seems like they're building up this other ape to be some sort of antagonist. But why would you need to team up with Godzilla to take out down this ape? I gotta be honest, there's a shot in this trailer where the ape like has a like a bandilla or whatever they're called of like um bones around his neck. And I actually thought it was a bunch of like ammo for a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, holy shit, this ape's got a gun. Uh yeah. I tell you what, bold of them to release this movie next year with Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes coming out at the same time. Yeah, very different, I feel. Yeah, but monkeys. <laughs> you only have one monkey movie a year. Apparently. You only have one monkey movie. We only accept one monkey movie a year. Uh, that's why Dunstan had all those movies all by themselves. Yeah. Uh, anywhere but loose. Mm. Or whatever. The, no, yeah. You know what I meant. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this is releasing in cinemas on the 11th of April. Next trailer is for Ted, created by Seth MacFarlane, starring Seth MacFarlane, Ala, Alana Ubach, Scott Grimes, Max Burkholder, and Georgia Wingham. It's 1993, and Ted the Bear's moment of fame has passed. He's now living back at home in Framingham, Massachusetts, with his best friend, 16-year-old John Bennett along with John's parents, Maddie and Susan, and cousin Blair. Ted may be a bit lousy influence on John, but at the end of the day, he's a loyal pal who's always willing to go out on a limb for friendship. Dylan, what did you think of this trailer for the TV series, Ted? Double thumbs down, looked terrible. It reminded me of Ted 2, which was a shit sequel. And I also feel like all the humor in this trailer makes it sound like it's straight from 2008. I think it probably is well it's from 1993 so yeah adds up yeah i'll give it one up one down you know i think it'll be a fun little eight episode thing uh i can't remember if i watched ted 2 or not i enjoyed the first movie though you know i enjoyed the first movie and then i remember being highly disappointed by the second movie hmm uh, but yeah, I'm I'm here 
for that Massachusetts accent. That's what I'm actually here for. We are going to Boston. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wicked. Uh, <laughs> it's wicked. We cool. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, get your fresh penis. That's what I'm. You know. Good message to get out there. <laughs> and I'm doing mad drugs. All right. Uh, so Ted is coming to binge on the 11th of January. Next trailer is for Criminal Record, uh, directed by, created by Paul Rutman, starring Peter Capaldi and Kush Jumbo. A anonymous phone call draws two brilliant detectives into a confrontation over an old murder case. One is a young woman in the early stages of her career, and the other is a well-connected man determined to protect his legacy. Dylan, what do you think of the trailer for this new Peter Capaldi drama? Double thumbs up. Double thumbs up. Looks great. Can't wait. Peter Capaldi looks awesome. Um, everyone looks fantastic in it. I love me a good hard-boiled British uh, police drama. Yeah, there's two thumbs up from me. I think uh, this is a nice companion piece to Slow Horses, weirdly. Uh, British, uh, deep stories, you know, obviously it looks like there'll be some a little bit of action or explosions and that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, Peter Capaldi looks fantastic. Uh, and Kush Jumbo looks really good as well. Uh, yeah, really interesting, um, potentially mystery there. So this is coming to Apple TV Plus on the 10th of January. Next trailer is for The End We Start From, directed by Joan Carl Wigan, starring Jodie Comer, Benedict Cumberbatch, Catherine Waterston, Joel Fry, and Mark Strong. A woman tries to find her way home with her newborn while an environmental crisis submerges London in floodwaters. Dylan, what do you think of this trailer? I'm going to go one up, one down on this one. I feel like I got an idea of the themes and ideas like that's been explored, I guess, between being trapped with a newborn in a flood like that. And I really like um, Jodie... Comey, you just said no. Um, yeah, but I feel like the trailer was a little bit all over the place. But yeah, so I'll go, I'll go up one up one down. Yeah, I'll go one up one down as well. I think this is one of the rare occasions where this feels a little bit short. Need a little bit more, um, like, like a little bit more information, a little bit more visuals. Uh, I think one of the coolest shots in the trailer is like them taking a boat down the middle of a major like London street. And there's like, it's obviously highly flooded and there's like the double decker buses and stuff, uh, submerged in water and that kind of stuff. Um, but like from the start of the trailer, it's like not exactly clear. Is it going to be told in non chronological order? Hmm. Uh, you barely get to see <laughs> Benny coming back to Mark Strong or Catherine Waterston in this trailer. Um, but yeah, Jodie Comer looks fantastic. And, you know, obviously those quotes, like, sell it is very good. So very interested to check it out. Uh, so this one is coming to US audiences on the 8th of December and to the UK on the 19th of January. No Australian release date. Last trailer for this week. Furiosa, a Mad Max saga. Directed by George Miller. Starring Anya Taylor-Joy. Chris Hemsworth, Elia Brown, and Tom Burke. As a world falls, 
young Furioso is snatched from the green place of many mothers and into the hands of, buck, of a biker horde led by warlord Dementus. While two tyrants war for dominance over the Citadel, Furiosa survives many trials as she plots a way back home through the wasteland. Dylan, this is easily one of the most anticipated movies of 2024. What did you think of the trailer for Furiosa, a madman, Mad Max saga? Madman would be a very different version. Uh, love it. Double thumbs up. I've watched it several times. Absolutely going to be one of, if not my most anticipated movie coming into the, the new year for sure. Uh, obviously, really love the Mad Max franchise and adore Fury Road. So, um, very, very keen. I have no complaints about this. All these people nitpicking a fucking trailer and assuming CGI won't look better by the end, by end product user or dickheads. Fuck off. There's not two cents. Yeah, fantastic. Um, yeah, Undertale Joy looks really fan- really good. Like, obviously, you know, I think we were all kind of disappointed it wasn't going to be Charlize Theron, but, you know, based on it being a prequel, like, it, impossible, really. Uh, unless you use, like, heavy CGI de-aging technology, which I don't think would be in their interest. Um Chris Hemsworth looks good, although that nose is like noticeable straight away. Uh, you know, all those people who got upset about Bradley gentlemen. Cooper, <laughs> my maestro. Come on, Chris Hemsworth's nose is much more apparent here. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see him playing more of a villainous role, which I don't think he's really done. Uh, really good to see him finally do a fucking Australian movie. You know, really pay back to the country's role. He you, did. Chris. Six years of home and away. He's paid his dues. <laughs> I'm pretty sure all those extraction movies are made somewhere in Australia, right? If they're filmed in Australia, there's a big difference between like it's saying that's like saying Thor's an Australian movie. I would I'm also saying, say, you know, that the bunch of Australians got paid to work on the movie. So I mean, yeah, I understand, but of... I mean, an actual Australian movie, Australian production, not just filmed in Australia. Okay, uh, but yeah. No, it looks really good. Crazy that a Morton... Well, not crazy, but Morton Joe looks like he's going to play a role. Um, well, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, I keep forgetting. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, obviously, it's got a distinct visual style. I don't know if that's specifically because of the CGI. Like, um, did you ever get around to seeing 10,000 Years of Longing? No, but I definitely... I had no reason not to. It just took so long to come out and never went to my cinema and then... I yeah, know. but I, I feel uh, like this has inspired me to actually watch it. Yeah, because I feel it. like this, the visual style of that is probably influencing this even more than Mad Max because it, like the, the coloring and that kind of stuff, it is very similar to that film. So, yeah, um, looks great. Though, but yeah, it. looks fantastic. There is some crazy stuff in this, like uh, Chris Hemsworth's riding a motorcycle chariot yeah. at one point. Everybody's pointed out. And then Anya Taylor-Joy seems to catch herself under a semi-trailer with a motorcycle. Is that what's happening? Where she think like, so. suddenly appears underneath? I don't know. But yeah, I'm there's, excited there's to There's a lot find of wild out. shit. There's a lot of wild shit. I'm excited to see all of it. <laughs> but yeah, what a fantastic first taste uh, of, you know. Really makes Batman's. me want to rewatch. If you see me suddenly find time to instead of choose watching let's, uh, movie, let's put it in let's Mad put Max, it a, let's put it in the schedule let's lock it down let's well, do podcast next year or like a series all the Mad Max have you watched all the Mad Max movies no have you only seen Fury Road 
Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So yeah, Road it'll to be Fury. So, so it'll be wild for you to watch the other ones because the other ones are obviously very obviously different. very different. It's inter- also interesting, to, like see people discussing like trying to figure out the timeline of stuff because well, like I- doesn't doesn't. Is it Max from before the fall? Yeah, yeah. So th- this and th- this is set forty five years after the fall. So then Mad Max would be like, correct, hundred or something <laughs> in in, yes. in Fury Road. So really, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. But Matt, the idea, and this is the thing, I guess people don't get about Mad Max, especially especially evident in the last film is after the first movie, Mad Max just becomes this. It's 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 sort of fairy tale shit. It's mm. it's this is a thing that happened, but you're hearing, it's you're all watching. Myth. It's a myth. It's a myth and a legend thing. The first movie is the first movie, right? The first movie is like before the. It's like on the cusp of the fall, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, then after the fall of society, you get Mad Max two and shit. And at that stage, yeah, it's just whatever. Try and work out the age of, Mad, of Max. It's whatever. His yeah. last name. What is his last name? Verdebanski. It's some fucking really weird. Like, yeah, there's some cool stuff. Like, the city, I want to say the city's actually, like, pulled, like, kind of from the video game. Like, or at Why least not? there is a... a yeah, a, yeah, I mean, the, si- the city... Similar, yeah. They have the city... Yeah, it looks similar, so I don't know. It'd be funny if they pull, pull from the game. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, look forward to... We'll probably do something Bad Max related next year Ladies on the podcast. And gentlemen. To give Dylan an excuse. Well, Okay. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Mad Max, no, Furiosa, a Mad Max saga. Don't love the title. Just call it a foot. I understand you need to wedge Mad Max into that, but you know. Yeah, that, that sounds like a, uh, corporate. That's a marketing. That's a marketing decision. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's releasing here in Australia on the 23rd of May, 2024. Can't wait to watch Furiosa, Mad Max saga next year alongside, um, Force of Nature, The Dry 2. Some of my favorite upcoming films that are related to other films. Yeah. They need to put that first. My, film my new in favorite there. genre of Australian films is making the titles as obnoxious as possible to try and link them to the successful previous entries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look forward to Housing Complex, mm. a castle film. Yeah. 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 Surprised I haven't already done it. Yeah. All right, let's move into this week's top three. Definitely in the top three. Dylan, it's December. It's that Christmas period. People are looking for ideas for different stuff to get their cinephiles or TV lovers for Christmas. So forget these last three episodes before we finish off the year will be to help almost semi-gift guides. This week's top three is top three books we'd love to get this Christmas. I was about to say, you, you say gift guides, but I've picked three things I don't actually have. Because it's three things I'd like on my Yeah. Yeah. You know? So the assumption is they're good. Yeah. The assumption is we've got good taste of stuff we would like. That Fair. you would go, oh, yeah, the person in my life would like that as well. Fair. Um, so Still, my, my number three is Criterion Designs. It has a longer title. I can't remember. Anyway, there's a book. I've seen it before. Um, where it's just like it goes over the art. It's like a coffee table art book, but with Criterion cover, cover art. 
and obviously the Criterion Collection has a bunch of really cool cover art and, and stuff like that. So, um, as someone who loves looking at that stuff and not being able to buy it because I live in Australia, this seems like a really good purchase for me. It does sound like a very good purchase. Mm. Uh, my number three is a book called Welcome to the OC, The Oral History. Um, so, it's a book written by Alan Seppenwall, who was obviously a respected critic. Um, in which he interviewed the show creators Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage, as well as a bunch of uh, the cast of the show, and kind of documents the history of the show uh, through these series of interviews. Um, yeah, with obviously the show hitting its 20th anniversary, you know, for a lot of people our age, the OC was kind of a seminal teen drama. Um, you know, so this is, uh, I think, you know, I'd be interesting to read it. I'm sure there's a lot of other people who'd be have fond memories of the OC. Also, that was a very weird show. Like, at it just a su- very surprising hit at the time. So, yeah, check that out. Dylan, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is something I've had sitting on my wish list for a while, uh, which is one of the most, at least, uh, at least from people I follow and I have listened to over the years. Uh, most well-regarded movie history books uh, called Easy Riders Raging Bulls. Uh, it was written by Peter Biskind. Uh, it was published in 1998. But uh, basically it covers the 10-year the period of big releases between the 60s and 70s and like the change in Hollywood in that time between stuff like Godfather, Taxi Driver, Jaws, exorcist um and then of course as the title has it easy rider and raging bull so there it's a time period of a lot of films i love um a super interesting time in hollywood um and i know a lot of people have said that this is like one of the the best like sort of historical film like books so um that would be my next pick all right uh my number two is a book called Ghibliotech Film Korea. So Ghibliotech is a, uh, unsurprisingly, a Studio Ghibli podcast, but just a general for podcast. Not a good uh, one. This is like... Not as good as, hmm? not as good as another one. I mean, they've kind of branched out to like talk about other stuff that the podcast you're thinking of is solely focused on Studio Ghibli films. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, just different ideas. Uh, but they've done, they've done a series of like, uh, books, like obviously they've done a Studio Ghibli book and then they did like a one about anime films. Uh, and now they've done one that kind of, uh, like focuses on 30 different Korean films, uh, ranging from Parasite to Okja to, um, Train to Busan to, you know, a bunch of those kind of movies and kind of like goes, talks about them kind of in depth and, the uh, with a bunch of uh, artwork and like images from the book, the movies and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I got my brother the anime movie guide from them last year, and he really liked that. So I would be keen to check this out. Of seeing as you know, I haven't necessarily watched all the <laughs> movies referenced in this, uh, but you know, there's enough to make me want to give this a read. So that would be my number two. Dylan, what is your number one? Number one, I went looking for something I didn't know anything about. I just typed into old Google, uh, you know, like movie books 2023 or, you know, some shit like that. And I came across mm-hmm. this one and I was like, this is one that you could put in my Christmas stocking. It's called Oscar Wars. And 
this sounds exactly like the type of shit both of us would probably like. <laughs> um, so pretty much it describes it as a book that's covering everything about the Oscars from um, inception in the twenties to modern day behind the scene rivalries, how it works with the companies, how they chase after awards, um, what's gone right and wrong at the award shows. Like basically it's just a big book about the history of the Oscars and everything that's happened behind the scenes. And I was like, that indeed does sound like something Dylan would read. So that'd be my number one pick. All right. My number one is a book called MCU, The Reign of Marvel Studios, um, which is a behind-the-scenes kind of uh, documentation of Marvel Studios and the you know the creation of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from early days in Iron Man through to I think earlier this year before Quantum Mania. I think is when they kind of cut off. Um, it's written by. Uh, Gavin Edwards, Jonah Robertson, and Dave Gonzalez, the last two who I've listened to for several hours on different podcasts. Um, so, you know, to read a book by them is like, would be just enough, but obviously to focus on a subject that, you know, <laughs> I know a fair bit about and have talked about extensively. Uh, that's definitely something that I'd uh, feel like I'd need to read. Hopefully those six recommendations are something to help you this Christmas. Dylan, this week, what do you want to watch? The Boy and the Heron! <laughs> okay. Was there any other answer? I mean, no. I mean, that was number one, but yeah. Oh, there's TV shows too. Hold on. What are TV shows? Is there? I don't know. Is there? Um, mm, mm, maybe there's not. <laughs> no. Nope. Three not. weeks in a row is it going to be? Uh, Doctor Who, baby. (laughs) (laughs) We're having a good roll of Doctor Who at the moment. So, Doctor Who, special number three, let's go. Uh, Yeah, I mean, The Boy and the Heron is the obvious choice this week. It's it's Uh, a right choice. I mean, it's the right choice, but also Dixon Musical was releasing. Not even close. But, you know, if I'm not going to copy you, that would be, you know, Unless it's copying me, it just happens to be the same choice. You know, or, you know, Silent... Are are you going to watch Silent Night? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to hope to, yeah. Okay. That's also releases this week. I'm not going to that over Boy and Heron. I mean, yeah. By the way, my cinemas are only playing English, English, but I don't actually mind for Ghibli movies. Ooh, in fact, if I had to take. pick, I would probably just go watch it in English if I had the choice even. There's my hot take. Yeah. Uh, and then also Maestro's playing places. Uh, my mo- TV pick, obviously Doctor Who, I'm very keen for. Um, but over on Apple TV+, Plus, uh, they've got the documentary series John Lennon, Murder Without a Trial. Um, that kind of is going to look into John Lennon's death. He was <laughs> shot by Mark Chapman. <laughs> what the fuck is there to look into? <laughs> What is that? What's the mystery? I know the dude's name. I know he shot him. What are you talking about? But why? Because yeah. he read the this book. This docuseries features exclusive <laughs> eyewitness interviews and previously unseen crime scene photos, shedding new light on the life and murder of musical icon John Lennon. So sure, whatever. <laughs> All right, let us know what you want to watch it this be, week. You know, like just how many times do we have to go over this? Like. He was shot by Mark Chapman. I don't think I've ever seen a documentary about John Lennon being killed. 
I know he got killed. Yeah, because but I've never Mark watched Chapman anything about it. Read the fucking what's I can't remember the book's name. They read the book, and the book made him go. I should kill that guy. See, you don't know what the book is, so you should watch the documentary. I can't remember the book's book book name. Fucking tell you before you do that. <laughs> Let us know what you want to watch this week by going to explosion.com slash Twitter or jump to Discord explosion.com slash Discord, or let us know what books you want to get. The catcher in the Rye. But how does that relate to him shooting John Lennon? Because he read chapter twenty-seven. What's chapter twenty-seven? Continue your outro. Fucking, they should make a documentary about this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you want to help us out here at What Do You Want to Watch, leave us a review on our podcast or on Podchester. Leave us five stars. Any can leave five stars. Or just tell people about the show. And if you've enjoyed this episode, Thor's Worth a Dollar, head on over to our coach page at explosion.com slash support. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.